lot of things. I got little markers everywhere. That was a candy wrapper, Mark. Thanks for that. That's how, that's how real he's talking to me these days. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. There, there's a passage of Scripture that, um, that will just bless you just wonderfully this morning. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start at verse 16 there. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start there at verse 16. Good news. That's what we have here. Good news. <clears throat> you may remember this, but let's... Uh, Let's, let me read it. If you follow along, that'd be great, so I don't lead you astray. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her, owner, for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates, and they said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful today <clears throat> for the opportunity we have to be able to be here in this place and to worship you. Father, we're, I, I'm thankful. I, I'm going to say that, Lord. I'm thankful uh, for your presence here, for your spirit that's here, for, for you that have anointed this place and this gathering, these people, with your blessing, with your spirit. Uh, Father, I am thankful for what you are about to do through the ministry of your word. I'm thankful, Father, for where you have led us in singing and song, right to your very throne, where we see you high and lifted up. And, and Father, where we hear the voices singing back, the angels singing one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Father, I'm thankful for your presence that's here. <clears throat> Father, I, I, Lord, you, you know, I want to pray for everyone that's here. And Father, you know what our weeks have been like. Father, you know what our days have been like. Lord, you know the news that some have gotten. Uh, Father, you know the, uh, the difficulties that some lives are in. Uh, Father, you know the commotion that's happening, Lord, in the school system or, or Father, even here with the sinkhole. 
Lord, you know the stuff and uncertainties of, of all of our lives, whether it's from the very smallest of things to the very largest of things. Father, you know the things that affect us. And Lord, I want to ask today in the name of Jesus Christ that your blessing would move upon this people. That, Father, from side to side and front to back and over again, that your Holy Spirit would move as a gentle breeze and touch each heart with your gentle touch. And, Father, bless each one with the special things that you have prepared for them for today. Father, I know that you have. You've spoken to me about this. Lord, there's hope and there's faith and there's strength and there's healing in the name of Jesus Christ for these that are here. And Father, perhaps, Lord, some are watching at home on, on, on live on Facebook or on YouTube. And, and Father, I want to pray for them, Lord, maybe as they're sitting at their kitchen table and having their coffee right there, that, Father, that you would reach across cyberspace, however you might do it. And Father, bless them and touch their hearts. Might they be strangely warmed as your Holy Spirit draws near. And Father, you know who they are. I don't. But Father, I pray, O oh God, that your blessing would go beyond these walls. Father, your touch will go up and down these streets. Father, that your spirit would move in and out of these houses and homes. Father, that your holy presence would touch families that are shattered and touch children that are afraid and touch adults who are uncertain. And Father, throughout this community, throughout this county, throughout this, these towns that are around here, Lord, throughout this province, Lord, might your Holy Spirit move, and Father, in a greater and greater way every day. Father, we recognize that you are the sovereign king of all that is. And Lord, we submit ourselves to your authority in Jesus' name. We ask, Father, that your kingdom would come. We ask, Lord, that your will would be done in, on earth, in, in Oxford, in this church, in this province, in the same way that it is in heaven. Father, guide us in these things. Let your church be free to worship you. Father, even now, Lord, as we look into your word, I'm asking that you would speak clearly and distinctly into our hearts. Father, beyond the words that come out of this mouth, Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit <clears throat> would speak directly into our spirits, that there be a spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. Father, that we would be plugged in to all that you desire. Father, we'd be plugged in to what you desire to pour out into your people. Father, that we would be plugged into your kingdom and plugged into your ways and plugged into your life. Holy Spirit, speak into our lives today in Jesus' name. And Father, very sincerely, Lord, but very humbly, as Father, you, you know my heart. I'm asking, Father, once again, that you might clothe yourself with this form, that you would guide and guard the words of this mouth. And I don't want to talk just, funny things. I don't want to talk eclectic wisdom. I don't even want to talk theology. Lord, I just want to know, thus saith the Lord. So, Father, guide us. Lord, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Holy Spirit, we claim that promise of Jesus from John chapter 16, where he said you would come. Holy Spirit, Jesus, he said you would come, and you would speak into our lives those things that you hear from the Father. He said that. And so, Father, we claim that promise today. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it in prayer. Amen. <clears throat> it's a good thing I'm tired today, isn't it? What's that? Too much celebrating this. That's right. 50 years anniversary. Oh, wait a minute. 34, but it just, we were so much in love. It's like that solidness. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, it is 34 years yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Did you see the little picture I put up on Facebook? Wasn't that cute? Isn't she just the cutest little thing? <clears throat> she wasn't impressed, but I thought it was a cute picture. Well, listen, here in Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> it says they were going to prayer. 
And as they're going to prayer, there was a slave girl. That's what it says. There was a, there was a person who was possessed by a spirit who had certain powers and she could predict the future. And there were people who, who had ownership of this uh, young lady, the slave girl. And, uh, and by this, the, this was their business. This was how they made a living. This was, people came, they, they, uh, they sat down there at the table, you know, I've never been to a seance or anything like that or a fortune teller. But they, they would sit down there, you know, in, in front like that and, uh, and she would tell them the future. And it seems that she must have been quite successful because they were making money. So she began to follow Paul and Silas around town. And she would shout out, and this is what it says, and shouting, verse, uh, see that, verse 17, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. You know, I, and, and she said, and they're telling us the way of salvation. Now, I don't see a whole lot wrong with that, why, why someone would be really annoyed, but it does seem that someone was really annoyed by this. And maybe, maybe for the first few days, you know, it was, it was okay. You know what? You know, that's true. And we're having prayer meeting. We're going to prayer meeting. We're holding services down here at the church, Lower Main Street, you know, and she'd say, these, these are men of God. And, and people would know this. She's a fortune teller. She knows things, you know, and, and so maybe, maybe people were showing up. I don't know, but something happened. And, uh, and I think it was Paul, wasn't it? He got a little vexed at this person, bringing attention all the time to them. And he turned around and he commanded the spirit to come out of the girl and the spirit came out. So the people who owned her as a slave, they took them to the magistrate, to the authorities. And they said, they're throwing the whole city into an uproar. They're, they're telling us to do certain things against the liberal government. You know, they're telling us to accept certain practices that are whatever. You caught that, did you? A little piece in there. <laughs> and then the crowd joined in with the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates, and they, they were ordered to be stripped, and then they beat them. And it says that after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And so he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were whining to God. I thought when I became a Christian that everything was going to work out. I thought when I became a Christian, when, when you met me on the Damascus Road, that my life was going to change. There's going to be no more problems. I thought that when, when I accepted your call into ministry that you were going to look after me and this bad stuff wasn't going to happen anymore. I thought, wait a minute. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Just go back a little bit there. So... They did a good thing. I, I mean, well, it seemed like a good thing, cast a spirit out of a person who was possessed. But then they got taken to court. And then they got stripped. And then they got severely beaten and flogged. And then they were thrown into prison. And when they were thrown into the prison, they were thrown into the very center of the prison. And it was musty, and it was wet, and it was dank, and it was cold, and there was water dripping, and there was no bathrooms, and if you had to go, you just went where you were sitting. And not only that, they couldn't move around because their feet were in stock, so that either they were laying down in free-flowing free urine, or they were sitting in it. But then they couldn't move because their feet were chained in stocks. You know what stocks are? Just, the board comes down over your ankles and there you are. These guys are having a bad day. I mean, you talk about your bad days. They know what bad days were. They know what was going on. And yet here we find ourselves at about midnight. Now, now why is that important, midnight? Did you ever notice in the middle of the night when you're having, when all your world is crashing down, the darkest, most discouraging time is about midnight? You know what I'm saying? So when, when this should have been their darkest hour, when this should have been their most painful time, when this should have been the most uncertain moment of their lives, what were they doing? They began to pray. And then as they began to pray, something changed inside them, and they began to sing. Holy, holy, holy 
Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our songs shall rise to thee. You could almost, you could almost hear them. The other prisoners were listening. Now, I find it curious here. Also, the other prisoners, and they're, uh, they're, they're what they were doing, because they, they were in a bad way, too. You know, they were, they were there for whatever reason, and, and they were all on the outside, and maybe they were saying, this is the only time we got to sleep, but you guys shut up. Just be quiet. But they weren't. Something was happening in the middle of that dark, dungy, dirty place. Something wonderful and marvelous was happening as they were praying and worshiping God, singing hymns. And, and notice what happened. Son, you, know, you know, you ever have a bad day and it just gets worse, you know, you find yourselves in the middle of a sinkhole. You know, I go away for one weekend, a sinkhole opens up and the school shuts down. You know, what on earth does that mean? But, you know, so, so these, these guys are in the middle of this, you know, this, they, 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 uh, <clears throat> this person was following them around all up and down the streets. Every time they go out, yeah, there's, there's, I won't even say a name, but there's somebody out there, you know, and they're, they're, they follow along behind you. You're walking down the road, and there they are right there. These men, blah, 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 blah. You know, finally you get tired of it. You know, you come out of that person. They come out, somebody arrests you. They take you to, to jail. They take you to court. They, they strip you naked. You know, and there you are. And, and they, they beat you within an inch of your life. They put you into prison. They put you in the very middle. They put your legs in stocks. There's, there's everything around you, you know, floating little things. And, you know, and there's mice and there's rats. And, and how bad can it get? And now you're, you're praying and you're worshiping. And all of a sudden there's an earthquake. Have you ever been in an earthquake? I've been in an earthquake. It isn't any fun. You know, the, the walls shake and the bars clatter and, and everything goes on, but these guys don't care because they are worshiping, they're praying, and they're singing hymns to God. And everything flies open, all the doors and all the chains and everything, and nobody wants to leave. In the middle of this darkness, in the middle of this tragedy, in the middle of this pain, nobody wants to leave. Boy, I want that kind of faith. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of faith I want. You know, uh, you ever you ever drive a beater, a Chev? <clears throat> Sorry, did I say that out loud? I was thinking it. I didn't know that actually came out. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I remember driving a Beetle. I had a Pinto one time. Remember them? No, that's not a Chev, so that's, that might redeem me a little bit. I had this Pinto. Actually, I bought it from Dave Skidmore, come to think of it. <laughs> and I would go away, and it was when we were in, in college out in Winnipeg. We were roommates. So I'd go away, I'd go someplace down to work, and then, uh, and then I'd be driving back up Pembina Highway, if you know where that's at. Yeah, you know, Harold, eh? You drive back up Pembina Highway, and I'd be praying, because this old piece of junk was just clattering and banging and thumping and going on, smoke coming out. Had to fill it up with oil more than gasoline, you know? It was that kind of a thing. The valves were, were clanging, and, and there's, there's this really strange noise in the transmission. And I, I just kept praying, Lord, get me, just get me back to the college. It's freezing outside. It's minus 1,000, it seems. And I, if I just get back to the college, that's all that I want. And, and by and by, that crazy thing would stop and sputter and go on. And I would throw up my hands and say, Lord, I thought that you said that you love me. Why is all this stuff going wrong? Why does everything got to go wrong with me? And then I read about Paul and Silas in the middle of the darkness, and I'm sitting in this little Ford Pinto. Oh, it's a Ford. You got to get, you know, something, something good there. So I'm not sitting in prison. My feet aren't in, in, in stocks, and there's nothing little floating things around me. You know, it's, it's, this, is, this is not that bad. But, but, but sometimes our faith deals with such small things, and we throw up our hands and we say to God, God, do you not have a plan for my life? And here I am sitting by the side of the road, and I don't know how I'm going to get home. And then we pout. Well, then I pout. But I want this kind of faith. So I, the Lord has been kind of leading me along the journey of faith a little bit, you know. 
And, uh, and I want to share with you some of the things that, um, that he's shown me. Yeah, remember, remember Matthew chapter 8? Two weeks ago, we looked at the faith of the centurion. You remember that? Anybody remember that sermon? If you don't remember it, I'm going to preach again. You know, but uh, the, the faith of the centurion. The centurion came to Jesus one day, and Jesus was doing some teaching, and, uh, and the guy says, he says, uh, my servant is, is at home sick, and uh, could you heal him? And Jesus says, yes, I, I, I would, I'll come to your house. That's what you want. And the centurion said, no, I, I'm a man of authority. I have people under me, and I say to one soldier, go, he goes. I say to another soldier, come here, he comes here. He said, I understand authority. And if you just tell me now, if you say to me right now that I will heal your servant, that's all I need to know. Because then I'm going to go home and I know my servant will be healed because I understand authority. Remember what Jesus said? Oh, my soul. He said, I have not seen so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel as this guy right here. And he's a Roman. He's not even a Jew. But he understands authority. Jesus was shocked. He, he was amazed. He marveled at it. I thought to myself, how cool would that be? <clears throat> that something happens in your life. Jesus is there and he says to the angels, now watch this. Watch, watch this. Isn't that amazing? The faith that, that they had in that moment. The faith that you had in that moment that Jesus just stood by and his face lights up and he begins to beam. He says, you know what? Even in the middle of that prison, even in the middle of all that stuff floating around, even in the middle of when their feet are in stocks and chains, even in the middle of all that trauma and trouble, even in the middle when things are not working out like they thought, their confidence is in me. Wouldn't it be great to please Jesus? <clears throat> so that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm where I'm at in that, you know. This the idea of pleasing Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles, flip over <clears throat> as we were singing, the Lord kind of spoke something into my life here. In Mark chapter 9, really, really cool passage. You, you'll know it. So, but, but if you turn over, you'll see um, some things that maybe you haven't before. Jesus was coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration. <clears throat> it was a great highlight, a great event. And at the bottom, he meets uh, the, the demon-possessed boy that the disciples are trying to cast a demon out, but nothing's happening. You know, the demon's not going, and this is the one that they said later on, how come we couldn't do that? He said, this type only comes out by much prayer and fasting. But, but I want you to notice just the father and the son, okay? Just the father and the son who are involved here. So, so what do we got here? We got about verse 14 it starts, but let's pick it up um, about verse 16. Here we go. So Jesus comes down, he says, what are you guys arguing about, he asked. And, and a man in the crowd answered, he says, this is the father, he says, he said, Notice, look here what he says. He says, uh, he says uh, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, notice what Jesus says. He says, oh, unbelieving generation." Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. This is what the father said. If you can do anything, if you can do anything to help us, if, if, if it's possible that you could stretch out your hand, if it's possible that you could hear this prayer, if it's possible that there's anything that you could do, if it's possible... <clears throat> 
Can you help us? Now, Jesus picked up on the if. You notice that? Because the next verse is Jesus' response. And he said, uh, if you can. And then he goes on, he says, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Hmm, That's interesting. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What do you suppose he meant by that? How, How can you on the one side have Yeah, I I believe, but I don't believe. How how does that work? Yes, I I believe. Oh, I believe. I believe in God, but I don't believe in God. I, I believe that there's power here, but maybe not for me. I believe that, that I can be healed, but I can't do that. I believe, but I can't, but I believe, but I, how do you, how do you have those two together? Right? That's, that's the big question, isn't it, for, the, for people of faith? People of faith? Well, either you have faith or you don't have faith. Either you have belief or you have unbelief. You can't have, can you have them both together? You see, we have become confused. I've become confused. Let me just put this in the personal context. I've become confused. I'm not so much anymore, but I, I was confused because I thought the faith is Faith of our fathers, you know, that song? That was the faith that we're supposed to have, faith of our fathers, which is like a a system of belief, which is like a way of thinking, which is like a a systematic theology that that this is my faith. That is a noun, person, place, or thing. You know, I'm a person of the faith, the noun, person, place, or thing of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is saying, he he says here, he says... um, Faith is a verb. It's an action word. Well, how does that work? So, hmm. so let's let's read this not as a noun. If you can, if I can, everything is possible for him. Who believes? Everything is possible for him. Who this? Do you believe that? You think everything's possible for him who believes? Do you think? Marilyn, do you think? Everything's possible for him who believes? Anyone else? Marilyn does. I'm picking on Marilyn. Okay, Barb does. I believe anything is possible for him who believes. I do believe that. I'm with you. I'm not going to argue against you because you'll win. I do believe that. I believe everything is possible for him who believes. Now, does that mean I'm going to get everything I want? No, because that's not what this is being talked about. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father said, well, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Um, let's, let's turn over for a minute to Galatians. Something in Galatians is kind of striking me here. Um, Galatians chapter 5. Where's Galatians? That's in the New Testament, right? That's right after uh, Corinthians. If you get to Corinthians, keep on going a little farther and you'll find it. And let's go to about chapter 5. And there in chapter 5, it says, uh, it says something like this. It says, verse 16, life by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says something like this. It says, so I say, now this is Paul writing this to the people who lived in Galatia, which is letter to the Galatians, right? So, so as Paul is writing this, Paul is talking about what he's learned in the Spirit. So this is kind of Paul's testimony. It's Paul's journey. And he's saying, this, these are some of the things I've learned. And so he says here, he says, uh, verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Then he goes on, verse 19, he said, okay, you want some examples of the acts of the sinful nature? They're these, they're obvious. 
you know, and he, you can read through them. He says, he says, you want some examples of the fruit of the Spirit? Well, they're these, and they're obvious. Verse 22, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Remember, remember um, oh man, somewhere's around Mark chapter 14. Might be around there, but verse 38, 28, 38, somewhere's around there. Uh, Jesus goes to Gethsemane, remember that? Takes his disciples with him. And he, and he pulls some into a little farther, closer with him. He says, listen, guys, can you, can you folks just stay and pray with me for a little while? Okay, so, so what we have is Jesus made a request. He said, he said to Peter, James, and John, will you pray with me for a little while? Okay, so, so think for a minute that Jesus says something to you. Okay, I, 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 I want you, I want, I'm going to pick three of you out of this crowd this morning. You're going to come stand up here, and I'm just going to ask you to pray with me for a little while. I just want you to stand here. And it's been a busy day. It's been a hard day. It's been a good day. It's been a bad day. But it's been a busy day, and you know, there's stuff going on, and you can kind of sense something's going on. You don't quite know what it is, though. And so you go up, and you keep nodding off, you know. Man, I'm awful tired here. <laughs> Start, you know, I don't, Lord, and you go to sleep. I'm just sleeping. I'm tired. Lord, you know me. Right, Joseph? We've said this, haven't we? I'm tired. And then Jesus comes back and he says this. Could you not watch with me one hour? Rise and pray. He asks you again. Okay, Lord, I'm going to... I'm going, to, I'm going to step out of faith on this and I'm going to, I'm going to walk to the, to the precipice and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to, yes, sir, I'm going to pray. Oh, boy, I'm tired though. And then he comes back again. He says, come on, we got to pray. You know, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're off to sleep. You go again. And finally he comes back and he says this. He says, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Hmm. The spirit battles against the flesh, and the flesh battles against the spirit. And that battle affects our faith. It affects the response of our faith. It affects and controls even how our faith manifests itself because those guys in faith, right? You pray with faith, do you not? That, that, that's one of, the, one of the core things that begin the journey of this is we, is, we, is we begin to pray to God and we say, Lord, if you're really there, would you forgive my sins? And something happens because your faith reaches through your prayer and it says, Lord, I have confidence in you that you can do this thing in me. Right? That's the beginning moment. And if in this moment in prayer that the, that the flesh battles against the spirit in manifesting faith, then there's something here we need to know about the flesh and the spirit. Because you see, the opposite is true in the passage we read in the very beginning there in Acts with Paul and Silas. You would think in that moment that they are having a bad day. You would think in that moment that the flesh would be yelling at them, I told you not to go down that road. I, you can't keep your mouth shut, Paul, can you? I told you, just ignore them. I told you, ignore the situation. It'll all go away. Just keep wandering to the church. Do whatever you do inside the church. Don't bother people outside the church. I told you. Right? The flesh could be warned against the spirit. But the spirit was victorious over the flesh. They were in prison, beaten and bloody and in a really stinky, virus-infected place. There was blood on the floor. They were beaten and flogged that badly. You know, I hit my, this nail with a hammer and bent the dumb thing, you know, and I get a little annoyed. You know, there's the right away. Probably none of you would ever, you know, things jump right ahead to your mind, and you think, 
boy, I better watch that because that almost got out of control there. You know, that how bad, you know, what is this? Gord, can you not even help me with this one little nail I got to put in here? Not this nail, but the nail I was putting in, you know, thump and bang, you know, and you get all upset. But they were sitting there in all that mess and garbage and the spirit was victorious over the flesh. Now that's something. <clears throat> so Jesus met this guy and he said, if you can, Jesus said, if I can, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's, that's our cry in this world today. Lord, we believe, but help us to have more faith. Help us to have more belief. Help us to latch on more so that, so that, that yes, I believe here, but there's just, I have a struggle with unbelief over here. I don't under, quite understand what this even means. You know, if we were to turn over to 2 Corinthians, let's just turn over there just real quick. 2 Corinthians, there's another passage of Scripture here. Um, about for chapter 3, and it starts there, let me think, uh, well, uh, let's, mm, verse 12, verse 12. I'm going to, I want to read this for you, because this, is, this is, is part of the journey of our faith here. It says, verse 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it <clears throat> while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. <clears throat> what, what uh, again, it's Paul who's writing this, and, and he's, um, Paul is, he, he's quite a guy to write this because he was a Pharisee, you know, a zealot. He was, he, he was a guy who, who, if you didn't agree with him, he'd put you in jail and maybe kill you. He was that kind of guy. I mean, he was pretty severe. I've known Nazarenes like that. You know, he was pretty severe. He was, he was, a, he was a strong, difficult person. And he's saying here, he's saying, you know, it's, it's kind of like this. And if I'm going to, let me just demolish this, this passage for a minute and put it in his words as if he's given a Sunday night testimony. Because we, remember, we do Sunday night testimony. So let's pretend this is Sunday night and, 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 and maybe I'll be Paul. So, so he, he, it might go something like this. He says, he says, you know, I remember back before I was saved, there were things about this faith that all you Christians had that I didn't understand. It's like you were talking a whole different language, and I didn't get it. It's like there was a veil, like a darkness over my heart and my mind. And you would say things, and I didn't understand what you were saying. But when I received Christ, it was like the veil was lifted. And then it came to me, ah, I get what you're saying. You see, that's what he's, that's what he's talking about there. He's saying that when the Old Testament was read, it's like there's a veil. It's like there's a darkness over the heart. And you don't understand its depths and its truths until Jesus Christ comes. Right? You remember in John chapter 3, Jesus said something similar to this to, uh, who was the guy who came to Jesus by, by night? Nicodemus, wasn't it? And Nicodemus said, Lord, we understand that you're from God because no one can do these miracles except that you do them. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, well, how can, or Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again? I don't understand that. I don't get that. There's a veil. My heart is hard, it's darkened. I don't understand. How do you, how do you be born again? I don't understand, you know, I'm living my life, I'm going out Saturday nights and we have a few drinks and we're smoking, you know, and doing some stuff and, and we're not really hurting anybody, it's just us. I don't understand about this Christianity stuff. How does it even work? There's a veil, there's a darkness. And Jesus goes on, because that's kind of what Nicodemus was saying in his own words, maybe not smoking and drinking, but you know, <clears throat> the other stuff. But Jesus was kind of, he said, you know, unless you are born of water and of the spirit, you cannot 
enter. Not only can you not see it, but you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's curious. You see, because there was a veil. There was a darkened understanding. But, but Paul writes here, he says, uh, um, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, I thought, well, that seems backwards to me, except it's the Bible. The Bible's not backwards, probably I'm backwards. Because I thought, well, shouldn't the veil be taken away and then you turn to the Lord, right? Now, what do you think? Am I the only guy who thought this would be backwards? You turn to the Lord before the veil's taken away? But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, it does say that. Verse 16, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Faith comes by, anybody know? Hearing. Shouldn't faith come by knowing? Shouldn't faith come by something else? Faith comes by hearing. You mean I only have to hear? You mean I, I could be like that father of the demon-possessed son and see Jesus coming down the aisle to me and Jesus says there to me, he says, if you believe, all things are possible. Well, you mean, <clears throat> you mean, you mean all I have to do to become a follower of Jesus Christ is receive him into my heart. And as I receive him into my heart, I say, Lord, you know what? I've, I've, been, I've been kind of on this journey for a while and I've been reading my Bible and I've been doing this and I've been doing that. I've been going to church and that, that church is a little awkward sometimes, a little weird, you know, but, but I've still been going there because I recognize your presence there. And Lord, you mean to tell me that all I have to do is receive you? And in my life, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, sup with him and he with me. You mean, mean that's all I have to do? And then the veil will be lifted? There will be freedom in this? There will be something happening in my life that, that changes everything? Is that what this means? It's kind of what he's suggesting. You must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to be born of water and of the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 says, those who remain in the realm of the flesh <clears throat> cannot please God. Those who remain in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. So if you want to please God, live a life of faith. Let it grow in you. Let it develop in you. You know what faith is? Faith is confidence. It's not a series of beliefs. That's the faith. Faith is confidence. I have confidence in Joseph over there. I like Joseph. You look good in the beard there, mister. I'm going to have to grow when you My wife will be impressed. <laughs> you know, but I have confidence in Joseph there. If, if Joseph ever would say to me, and you don't know, say to me, Mark, you know, I'm, I'm going to do or I'm going to work or whatever, I would trust him. Because I, I know Joseph. I have confidence in Joseph. You know? And we have confidence in people, right? You, you know people. That, 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 that you would you would believe in that because you have, you have a confidence in Walter. Yeah, no matter what Sue says, I like them. <laughs> I, I have confidence in Walter. You know, I, I, can, I can point out a whole bunch of you people, and I have great confidence in you. I trust you. <clears throat> I, I remember when our first son was born, Jeffrey. 
And uh, 24 hours later, right? I didn't think it was that bad, but it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours later. <clears throat> and then he showed up on the scene, C-section. Ruth wasn't quite out of it yet. She was, she was on it because it was a little long time. And, uh, and I, I remember, I could, I could put it right here in my hands. His head be here, his body be that small. And I could not have loved him more. You know what I'm saying? He's got little big fat cheeks, dark hair, you know, just dribbling everywhere and should have had a diaper on the whole thing. But, but, you know, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. But little bits of mustard. It didn't matter about anything. <laughs> because I loved him so much. I still do. All of my kids was the same. Jeffrey Cameron said, I, there's, there's no way I could have loved them more or could love them more than And God's like that with us. He sent his only son for me. I don't know what son I'd send. I don't know what I'd do. He sent his only son for me because of his love is, is like that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. If my kids asked me for, for almost anything, I would give them. I would, because I love them that much. And the Bible says that God loves us more than that. Yeah. You can have confidence in your Heavenly Father. You see, this is why it's important. You know, and, the, and Jesus said as he was being tempted, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, Jesus said, he said on a number of occasions, something to the effect that I don't speak with my own words, but I speak from, you know, from he who sent me. Or, or these words that I say to you, these are the Father's words. These are not my words. John chapter 16, verse 12 says that Jesus would send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is listening to what's going on around the throne. And he's going to teach you. He's going to tell you these things. And then it's your job by faith to say, you know, I have confidence in God. He's not going to leave me astray. And I'm going to say, Joseph, God loves you. I know that. That's, that's my confidence in God voicing a truth to Joseph. That's my confidence in God when I would say, you know, God loves me so much. He's, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm sitting in a prison, my back's bloody, you know, and everything's going on, but I'm going to sing your praise and because God's in control. It's kind of like Job. I don't, I don't care if he slays me. Yet will I serve him. Because I have confidence. See, that's faith. It's not the faith. That's faith. That's confidence in Him. So how do you begin the journey? You know, some of us have been on the journey for a long time and still we struggle with faith. Because you have to pay attention. You have to develop the relationship with God. That's why it's, it's so important to read your Bible and pray and take time with Him every day. That's why it's so important because then you begin to hear His voice. You know, and, and even, even when all of everything happens around you and, and difficulties come, you know what? I have confidence in God. He said, I should do this. You know, when I took on the new job, I, I prayed a whole lot. And uh, I remember Ruth and I were away at a prayer retreat, just her and I. And, and I, was, I was laying there praying, and uh, the Lord very clearly said, He said, Mark, you know what? Just stop. These are not your problems. They're my problems, and you just show up. The end. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. That's all I need to know. These are not my Do I have any answers? Not one. Not enough. Have confidence in Him. That's the way it is. The end. I don't know. I don't know the end from the beginning. I know that if I show up and I spend some time in prayer, the Lord will show us. The end. That's all there is to that. Confidence. You know, read your Bible and pray. But, get off the couch. And begin the journey. That's right. And the veil will lift. Whatever you don't understand, you will. It's a, it's a wonderful thing uh, to live a life of faith. I, I have a picture of my dad. It's in my mind. It goes everywhere I go. Every time I preach, I put it out there and make, make sure he agrees with me. I haven't heard anything to the contrary yet, so I'm going to say that. And he probably does. But you know, I remember the night he died. And uh, we were singing choruses around 
his bed. He didn't wake up. <clears throat> didn't say any last words. At least not to me. But I do remember this. I remember thinking to myself, it's not over. The flesh says it's over. The spirit says there's a tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? The flesh says this ends. But the spirit says this is just beginning. You see, I'm going to see him again. Because I have faith in my Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I'm the way. He says, you trust in God, trust also in me and my Father's house of many rooms. And I'm going to prepare a room for you. And if I go and do that, I'm coming back to get you to be with me. Me and my dad. Together again. Two preachers. You'll probably have something to say to me then. <laughs> but you see, that's the walk of faith. I have absolute confidence in Jesus Christ. So here's the kicker. Do you? And if you don't, would you like to? Because today is your day for that. If God is speaking to your life, and he's saying, you know, I want to give you this. But you say, yes, Lord. I thank you today. Today is my day. To get my life right with you. To let you forgive my sins. To take away all that trash. 